あ
shown a lot of growth since then. Uh, does he have any left, or has he just sort of settled in as what he is? Uh, I mean, I think, you know, there's a real good chance that this is about as good as he gets. Um, you know, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing either. It's mm -hmm. it's sort of a curse to him that he was he had such a great uh, age 23 campaign. I think of somebody, you know, several years ago, like Ryan Klesko coming out of the gates like that and then just sort of settling it in a, at a slightly lower level and having a really ultimately successful career. But but always sort of being measured up against that one standard um, that, that they set very early on in their career. Uh, that's not to say that Bruce won't necessarily take a step forward, but, uh, you know, if he doesn't, I think uh, it, it wouldn't be shocking and it wouldn't be all that disappointing, really. Yeah, when you look at when you look at Bruce's career, uh, you see that, I mean, as a rookie, he had that, uh, he had a really high uh, batting average on balls in play, 334, and he hasn't been above 300 since. Last year, he was at 283, so his batting average has been down in, in the high 250s since then. His walk rate has also kind of uh, fallen off. He's never really... I guess uh, first two years he was just around uh, 10%. Uh, last last year he slipped below 10% for the first time. I mean he's got to have one or the other working for him. I think to to uh, to move forward as a player and and hopefully uh, a little bit of both uh, if he's going to advance. And to be fair, that five win rating was based on one of those uh, sky high defensive ratings that you're never sure whether to completely trust or not. Um, <laughs> And the other guy that, that you touched on, Hamilton, uh, obviously a lot of people are looking forward to seeing him, not just Reds fans, but people who like baseball and exciting exciting players. When do you think that he'll arrive? What's your, your best guess? And when do you think that he will start to be an impact player, assuming that you believe that he will be? Uh, well, I, you know, I would assume we'll see him probably in the second half of the season. Um, as far as being an impact player, you know, I, th I think he's going to be an impact player in a certain sense the minute he gets here, just because if he ever does get on base, he's going to be just terrifying. Um, I did have a chance to get out and see him at the uh, AFL this uh, this winter and uh, in the uh, Rising Stars game, and he's he's just completely disruptive on the bases in a way that, uh, that I don't think we've seen in a very, very long time. I'm thinking of guys like Kenny Lofton and uh, Willie Wilson and, and – uh, you know, maybe Vince Coleman, I guess, although he couldn't really hit it all. But, uh, uh, you know, as far as being a major force, uh, he, he's going to need to get a little bit better from the left side batting uh, to keep defenses honest uh, eventually. Because really, right now, he's fast enough that it doesn't honest. It doesn't matter. He's just going to beat the throws anyway. So um, but yeah, he's I'm really looking forward to seeing that guy play because he's going to he's going to be a lot of fun to watch for a long time. In the comments, uh, Jeff uh, looks like he cited uh, D. Gordon, and, and boy, that's that's uh, that's kind of a worst case scenario for for Hamilton. I mean, Gordon's got outstanding speed, but uh, you can't steal first base, and if he can't hit uh, major league pitching, if he can't come up with a plan, um, then he's going to have a hard time, stay, you know, staying in the lineup. And I think it's fair to point out that we're talking about a guy who only has two hundred ten plate appearance, two thirteen plate appearances uh, above above high A last year so it's asking a lot to expect that he's going to be able to jump into the majors uh by the second half uh speed or no uh so one of the topics probably the, the topic that people are talking about most surrounding the reds this spring is Earldus chapman's latest uh attempted move to the rotation which might actually happen this time i guess it's sort of two related questions for me uh 
do you think that he has the stuff to, to do this? Is he best suited to do this? Uh, and do you think that the team has the commitment and that he has the commitment to see it through if there are sort of initial early struggles? Because we have heard lots of things about how his teammates are not necessarily completely on board with the transition, how he is maybe not the most enthusiastic about it himself. Uh, so can it work under those circumstances? Well, uh, I mean, I I think uh, the biggest concern I have, well, there's a couple of big concerns I have. One is uh, obviously the increased workload is something you've got to think about. Um, a guy that's gone from working, you know, uh, I'm not sure exactly how many games he worked last year, but uh, from, from going from closing games to getting out there every fifth day and uh, giving your team six or seven innings in theory. Uh, so, you know, there's there's sort of that risk that comes along with that in terms of injury and, and effectiveness as well. Um, the The other bit about that, really going back to the effectiveness portion of that is you're talking about a guy who just completely dominated out of the bullpen last year. And, you know, if you can transition that into starting and, and get that same level of dominance over 180, 200 innings, then that's great because you've got one of the best pitchers on the planet in your rotation. Uh, on the other hand, if you take an absolute stud closer and turn him into, uh, you know, who knows what in the rotation, uh, you know, you run the risk of having broken something that or, that didn't really need fixing. Um, I think I mangled that uh, cliche. But, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, it's weird because it like he was so good last year that um, it's not clear whether him being as dominant as he was makes it a better idea or a worse idea to do this. And that's sort of like, I don't know, the, the risk anytime you put your young prospect pitcher into the bullpen and try to do that sort of slow transition into the majors is that it gets really murky and it's hard to know exactly what to do. It's it's kind of crazy that we're uh, in 2013 and we still have no idea how to transition pitchers from the bullpen to the rotation, it seems like. Yeah, the the, the real issue, I mean, and I, I think we're, you know, we're, we're, we've seen this happen so many times when it comes when it comes to these guys. I mean, Java Chamberlain's one. Uh, I'm sure we could think of you know countless others. Is but the you know as far as Chapman succeeding is whether he can get a third pitch in there, whether he can establish a third pitch. You look at his pitch FX profile that we've got, and it's it's like 85% four seamers, 14% sliders, and five changeups uh, in the course of his major league career. I mean, obviously that's that's going to have to change if he's going to last. You know, facing batters three times in a game. Uh, you know, as even a, a five-inning pitcher to to introduce him to the uh, to the role at the major league level, uh, he's going to need more weapons than that. So, uh, uh, do you have a question about Chapman? Are you following up, Ben? <laughs> yes, I don't have to. All right. Uh, no, good. Go ahead. But I don't know if you guys read the the recent uh, profile of Chapman in Cincinnati Magazine by Craig Fearman, uh, but there was a lot of stuff about makeup issues with Chapman about his tendency possibly to lose focus if he struggles. And I just wonder whether there is the commitment to seeing this through if, as has been reported, uh, Dusty Baker is not necessarily the most enthusiastic about moving him out of the bullpen. The first time no. that he has, uh, you know, that he struggles in a start, which will inevitably happen, are we going to have to rehash, uh, you know, is he suited for this or not every time that happens? Do you kind of need everyone on board to to make this happen and make it stick? I, I don't know if you need everybody on board with it, but at the same time, I mean, 
this could be one of those things that, like, Stra Steven Strasburg's innings limit, just a controversy that just will not go away, uh, no matter, you know, if, if there's any kind of ambiguity to it at all. Uh, and we've, you know, Ben, we've certainly seen it here in New York when it comes to Java. Yes. Um, you know, it's just it's a, it's a, something that, you know, hasn't died in, in, you know, even, you know, five years since he de since he debuted um, or six years now, I guess, going back to 2007. So uh, I, su I suspect this is going to be one of those debates that rages all year long. So um, the Reds signed Miguel Olivo to a minor league contract. Uh, Hannigan is probably my favorite player in the National League to watch, and Miguel Olivo is probably my favorite player to hate watch. Um, are they? Uh, is there any chance that we're actually going to see Olivo play? And um, uh, what does this all mean for Devin Mesoraco? Uh Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it seems like Olivo is a guy who just sort of hangs around and uh, does his thing and uh, hacks at a lot of stuff and hits some of it. Um, but uh, I, I, it's a strange thing to me. Um, you know, Hannigan, like you say, he's a, he's a fun guy to watch, and he's uh, he's got some good on-base skills. He does very well against left-handed pitching, and he's a, he throws out runners. I mean, he does pretty much everything you want out of a out of a catcher. Um, and mezzarocco has been touted for a long time, but really hasn't done a whole lot yet. And I I don't know if bringing in a guy like Olivo is there to sort of light a fire, or or you know if the organizations maybe. I'm really not sure what to make of that. It's a strange fitting to me. I, I don't. I honestly don't get it. Yeah, I had a hard time figuring that one out too. I'm I'm still scratching my head. I mean, I think, like you said, maybe lighting a fire under Mezzarocco is, is is the intention to show that they you know they have an alternative. They can go a different direction if he doesn't uh, uh, live up to it. I mean, he had a pretty lousy rookie season: two twelve batting average, uh, uh, two thirty two true average. Um, didn't play a ton, uh, had a concussion late in the year that, that I think cut into his time, especially down the stretch. And that's why when, when they brought, uh, uh, Deanna Navarro back from the dead. Um, so, you know, I don't know if we can fully judge what, what he did last year. It's only 184 plate appearances. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see what happens though. My last real question before we get to predictions, uh, Jeff, you wrote about Dusty Baker and I don't think a week goes by that I don't come across a Dusty Baker joke. Uh, I don't think I have a BP chat ever where someone doesn't make a Dusty Baker <clears throat> joke. Uh, this obviously is not going away. I think the, the popular or the, the sabermetric perception, at least, of Dusty Baker is, is pretty well ingrained from his Chicago days. But is there a reason to be making Dusty Baker jokes in 2013? Well, uh, is there a reason? To, I wish I had a Dusty Baker joke for you. <laughs> Fail. <laughs> Who brought this guy here, right? Uh, yeah, um, I don't know if there's a reason. Uh, well, I mean, I'm sure I think Chapman might be a good reason at some point. We'll probably, uh, you know, that's that's probably your best bet for, for a good joke. Although I don't know how much of that is uh, going to be on Dusty Baker and how much of that is going to be on the organization at large. Uh, assuming assuming worst case scenario there, um, I I don't know. I mean, Dusty Baker, you know, he he takes the jokes and he just he he more often than not goes out and gets results anyway. Um, yeah, there'll probably be some jokes, um, probably told by somebody funnier than me, and uh, this is probably the worst answer you're ever going to get to that question. So uh, <laughs> there you go. 
I, I think there's still reason to, 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 to make jokes about Dusty. As you know, Jeff and I talked about this before, uh, I believe, and, and uh, he cites it in his, uh, his his manager capsule. Baker's gotten a 306 on base percentage from his leadoff hitters. If you can't, I mean, that's that's obviously that's the kind of thing that's really easy to fix or really easy to, to spot, and you know maybe a little a little bit harder to fix if you don't have uh, you know Joey Votto's your best on base guy. You're obviously not going to bat him leadoff, but. Um, there it does seem like there there are obvious things that he can do uh, to patch his teams up that he that he hasn't done in the past, which is why I think the, the jokes are there. I mean, whether he's like you know sabermetrically inclined or not, it doesn't take a genius to fix a, a problem like that. Um, but you know the guy clearly is able to get something out of his players. I mean, he's got a winning record over the course of his career. He's he's won some you know taken some teams to the playoffs. Um, if not actually won uh, won a world championship, so um, it's a very interesting uh, manager in the grand scheme of things, and and uh, uh, you know I think we always he always gives us something to watch, if not uh, you know necessarily something to uh, to laud. Okay, uh, so we have succumbed to peer pressure and done the obligatory predictions portion at the end of every podcast. Uh, can we get a win total and a projected finish uh, in the NL Central from each of you? Uh, Jeff, go ahead. I knew you were going to pick him for <laughs> he's still the, He's trying to think of a Dusty Baker joke still. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, I'll no, go I was going to use I'll, I'll go first if, Jeff, if Jeff's too far on the spot. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I'll, I'll say 93 wins in the in the uh, NL Central uh, flag. I think that they're good enough. Uh, okay, yeah, that's that's a that's a little more optimistic than I was shooting for. I was going to go about, I'll, let's say 88 in second place. All right. Wild card. Yeah, wild card. All right. What does what does Pakoda actually say for them? Uh, let me look. Dakota is pretty optimistic, as I recall. Ninety-two. Uh, ninety-two in first place. Yeah, first place. Mm-hmm. With a big, with a big margin over the Cardinals at eighty-four wins. So, huh, interesting. Hmm. And that's reflecting, obviously, the Carpenter loss uh, for the Cardinals, which I thought was something that that uh, could have an impact, obviously, on whether the Reds uh, win it. All right. Well, uh, thanks, guys. We appreciate you coming on. Up next, you're going to hear a theme song, and then you're going to hear Zach Wells, sports anchor and reporter at the CBS affiliate in Cincinnati. Have a great day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. It may still be winter, but baseball prospectus is ready to play ball. Pete Barrett is taking you around the league with 30 insiders who cover Major League Baseball. Step into the box. The squeeze is on. And welcome to The Squeeze. Joining us today to talk Reds baseball is Zach Wells, a sports reporter for the CBS affiliate in Cincinnati. Zach, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, Pete. Thanks for having me, man. How are you? Good. And, Zach, I know you've been in Goodyear checking out Reds camp. What have you found? You know, I found a team that seems to be really hungry. I found a team that seems to be really determined, that still hasn't let that bitter taste go. It's now some four months after a historic collapse against the Giants in the playoffs, and it seems to be a team on paper that's very deep, that's very talented, that made some moves in the offseason, most notably trading for Shinsu Chu of the Cleveland Indians, and a team that 
you know, won't say it openly, but, but you get the feeling wants to go contend for a World Series, which would be the first one around here since the wire-to-wire team of 1990. Yeah, and one of the big things that has been a hot topic all offseason is Araldis Chapman's move to the rotation. What are your feelings about that? Personally, if I were the manager or the general manager, I wouldn't do it because basically you're seemingly fixing what's not broken. You can make a case that the bullpen with the best ERA in baseball last year was the strength not only of the team, but you know one of the better things that this team has done in some time is put relievers out there that basically made it a six-inning game because the seventh, eighth, and ninth were basically lockdown time. But they're going to give Chapman the ball, and they're going to see if he can make that transition to starter. And I'm not the GM, and I'm not the manager, so the question is, how is Chapman going to be able to make that transition? A couple things. He's not going to be able to throw fastballs the entire outing. He's going to be facing lineups two, three, four times through. So he's going to have to mix in some secondary pitches, and he's been working on his changeup, his cutter, his slider down in Goodyear under the watchful eye of pitching coach Brian Price and, and a guy named Mario Soto, who was an ace back in the 80s and, and, and some time ago. And he's going to be a, have to be able to hone in on his mechanics for not 15 or 20 pitches, you know, uh, what we would call a sprint, he's going to have to hone in on them for 100 and 115 pitches, the equivalent of a marathon. So he's got some hurdles ahead of him, but working in his favor, he was the best starter last year, and he was forced to the bullpen after injuries to Ryan Madsen and Nick Massett, and he was a starter coming up in Cuba. So we'll, I guess, the old adage, we'll see how it goes. You can follow Zach on Twitter at WellsZach. Zach, when you talk about Rawls Chapman, obviously he lights up the radar gun. How much velocity do you think he's going to have to take off of his fastball to last you know, more innings per start? Pete, it's interesting you bring that up because one of the things Aroldis Chapman has done to his credit is not try to you know, set all these records for velocity. He's not trying to get to 105 anymore. He's really done a good job between 94 and 98 taking a little bit of velocity off, and what he's lost in velocity, he's gained in control. So I think that being able to stay in control, to be able to throw strikes, wherever his ideal velocity is, and to be able to mix in some secondary pitches is going to be, of course, a huge key for him to be able to make that transition and be able to go deep in the ball game and be dominant for six, seven innings. You talk about control, and I think that's one of the big things that a manager has to do. And Dusty Baker, it seems like he's got full control of this Reds team. Can you talk about basically how he leads this team and how the players respect him? You know, Dusty Baker is, I've covered him now, this is, I believe, his sixth year in Cincinnati. And he's an interesting guy. He's a fun guy to be around. He's the kind of guy you can go in the office, and I went in the office, you know, down in Goodyear, and I was like, hey, Bake, can I sit down? He's like, sure, man, sit down. And we were talking about just life. We were talking about how he's feeling after his mini stroke at the end of last year, after the irregular heartbeat. He was talking about life. He was talking about his diet, his regimen of, of working out in the off season, his litany of doctor's appointments, trying to make sure he's all good to go, and he is. And he's the kind of guy that you can talk to pretty much about anything. And I think the players respect that because he has a way with them to be able to relate to them as people. And I think that players really respect that. I think if you ask people around here, they don't agree with every decision that he makes strategically in the middle of a game. 
but he does have a way with his players. And his players respect that. He lets them do their jobs. He gives them a long leash, and he expects them to perform. And he doesn't seem to me to be any different. The only way he's different after this mini stroke is he's more appreciative of the what he calls many blessings he has every day. And it'll be interesting to see if, if they can get over the hump in 2013. Now, one guy who's on the Reds didn't necessarily get as, as much recognition as Bryce Harper or Mike Trout or other rookies, but Todd Frazier had a breakout season at third base for the Reds. Does he have the potential to become a, a big superstar for the Reds? I think he does. I, I think Todd still has a lot to prove, and Todd would be the first one to tell you he has a lot to prove still. He's going to have a chance to be the everyday third baseman taking over for Scott Rowland. Where Frazier ran into a little bit of a tr- problem spot in 2012 is that he got tired and his power went down. He went many weeks without going deep and he came in a little bigger this spring so that when the dog days of August hit, you know, he's not going to, he's not going to lose as much weight. So he's going to try to stay a little bit more fresh that way. I think he can be a star. I think he's wired the right way. He's got a great attitude. He can finally know where he's playing. You know, he came up as a shortstop. He's played left field. Now he's going to be at third base. And he can kind of focus on perfecting that position. So I think it's going to depend on not only the pitchers out there in the National League and the American League during interleague play adjusting to Frazier. Frazier is going to have to adjust to the pitchers because they're going to make adjustments for him. And as we know, baseball is a game of constantly adjusting. The people who make constant adjustments are the ones that succeed. And I think exhibit A of that is Joey Votto. Zach, before we let you go, how do you see the NL Central shaking out this year? You know, I think I think it's going to be a real interesting race because I think the Cardinals are always in the mix. You know, the Cardinals, I think people around Cincinnati might forget the Cardinals went further than the Reds did last year. And, and the Reds, you know, convincingly, outpaced the Cardinals to win the division title. I think the Cardinals are always going to be there. The team I'm really interested to watch is can the Pittsburgh Pirates finally put it together for a full season? They've showed glimpses for half a season, two-thirds of a season. They've, you know, in the past couple of years, picked up players at the trade deadline instead of turning it into a fire sale. I'm interested in that. And I'm also interested to see how Theo Epstein in Chicago as he starts to put his imprint on the Cubs, I think he'll be the first to tell you that they're a ways away. I don't know if he feels that way for sure. They're a little bit of a ways away. And I'm interested to see how the, the Cardinals and the Pirates are able to really challenge the Reds. Zach Wells, a sports anchor and reporter at the CBS affiliate in Cincinnati. Zach, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Pete, it's always good to talk baseball, especially with how cold it is outside right now. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you.